This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, coming off of International Fight League. Such a fun week. Sorry it took all the way until Thursday to get this out to you, but I hope that you do enjoy the show. This week I'll be joined by Bazooka Joe Valtellini, my uh, now occasional co-host who comes in after the big pay-per-views, and there's no pay-per-view that I would rather have him on than one that contained two former Glory fighters, including Glory champion Alex Pereira, who looked phenomenal this past weekend, as well as, of course, Israel Adesonia, who retained the middleweight championship of the world. But before we get to Joe, let's hit this week's monologue that touches on that very subject, how Alex Pereira, in just 10 months' time, less than 10 months, became a title challenger to Adesonia. How did the UFC make him into a challenger so quickly? Let's take a look at the formula on this week's monologue. UFC 276 is in the books, and Israel Adesanya remains the middleweight champion of the world following a one-sided decision win over Jared Cannonier. While some bickered about Adesanya not scoring a finish, they should put their feelings aside and realize that the UFC managed to build the ultimate challenger in Alex Pejera, who defeated Sean Strickland in perhaps the most favorable stylistic matchup that existed for him in the top five. All that it took for the UFC to concoct this Frankenstein middleweight title challenger in the lab was 10 short months. In order to build a viable title challenger, you need a few ingredients. Number one, a good backstory. This fight sells itself. Bejera has two wins over Adesonia in kickboxing and is the only fighter to ever knock him out, albeit in kickboxing rather than MMA. Ingredient number two, favorable matchmaking. In his November debut, he faced Andreas Mikhailidis, who was 0-1 in the UFC. His next test was Bruno Silva. This was the big test to pass before facing ranked opponents. A killer with a 3-0 UFC record, all of which came by knockout. He passed that test with flying colors and then was the big step up against the top five fighter with the highest probability of standing with him in Sean Strickland. Ingredient number three, a highlight reel finish that gets everyone talking. This was the one that fell on Pejera and he delivered with his trademark left hook that stopped Strickland for the first time at middleweight. You mix all of those ingredients and you have the perfect title challenger, especially at this juncture in Israel Adesonia's middleweight championship run. An opponent that he has history with, that he is emotionally invested in, a fight that sells itself with two of the most elite strikers facing off for middleweight supremacy. For those who underestimated Pejera, it's time to understand just how good he is. An elite kickboxer who was a two-division glory kickboxing champion on this day last year and now looks to prove to Adesonia that the kickboxing wins that he had against him will translate in the octagon. It just goes to show that if a division needs an injection of intrigue, a new title challenger can be created in a pinch. I'm Aaron Bronstetter, and this is The Monologue. That was The Monologue, and after a big pay-per-view, I'm joined by a man who joins me after each and every pay-per-view. And I'm saying mm-hmm. that with uh, high hopes. Bazooka Joe Valtellini, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm excited to talk today. I mean, I got to see some of my kickboxing boys do some work, so... Uh, I'm here talking to you. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Well, I was glad to have you after this particular pay-per-view because there's nobody better suited to discuss, I guess, two of the main narratives uh, from, I guess, Saturday evening. 
I was down at the event. It was a lot of fun to be at. International Fight Week was a lot of fun. Very rewarding. I heard Helwani talk about it this week, how he said it was like one of his top three trips of all time. I'd say it's probably the same really? for me. It just was such a rewarding trip. It was very busy, but I got to see so many people. I got to meet a lot of people that, were, that enjoyed my work, which is very rewarding as well. So uh, just a, a really great trip overall. Yeah. Do you think it gave you a lot of that uh, excitement back, just seeing the people you've been interviewing for the last few years and seeing them in person? I'm sure it was a, a good feeling for you. Well, I'm trying to think. I've, I'm sure I've interviewed in person just about everybody that was there, uh, except for maybe like Drikas Duplessis I'd never interviewed in person. But I interviewed Ian Gary in person back in New York. I interviewed Alex Pereira back in New York yeah. as well. Um, John O'Malley I've interviewed in person before I just can't remember when but it was nice seeing Max again I hadn't seen Max in a long time um, I hadn't seen Volkanovski and, and Izzy in person in, in quite some time either so it was, uh, it was nice it was a fun event just very rewarding it seems like it's weird I'm back there covering it I feel like I haven't missed a beat like it feels like I haven't been away for two and a half years from Vegas yeah, you're just in the zone too, and it's just nice. The feeling's good. That's how it was with commentary for me. I'm like, am I going to forget how to do commentary live, you know? But it's just once you get in that seat and in your zone, you're, you're right back at it. It takes like a minute or two to click, and then yeah. you're kind of right back with it. Yeah, but you don't get to watch them live. You said you get, you're in the media section in the back and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm sure it's, uh, it's still a different feeling, but just the atmosphere, seeing the excitement of people before and after, that must be amazing. Yeah, I was in the partner area. I was in a different place than usual uh, this time around. It was on the loading docks, basically. But uh, it, was, it was cool. Just getting to speak to them right after they compete is a lot of fun. I mean, Sean O'Malley only gave me about a minute because he just didn't feel like talk. I, like, I don't even know why he agreed to go and do media. But, uh, you, you know, and I don't blame him. It was like, you know, you do a whole camp and then you have a fight end with, you know, really kind of up in the air with a no contest. So I can understand why he was frustrated. Yeah, And you are right where they exit, basically, right? So you get them, I mean, the media this gets time. them right after. No? Again, this time it was kind of, I was kind of near the uh, the big media tent. The big media tent was like just outside from where we were. So um, I like that because it's easy for me to jump back and forth and get coffee and food. As opposed yeah, to usually go. where it is, it's a trek to get back yeah. to the media tent. Yeah, but I love that position because I think that is the most genuine of places to be, whether you're an interviewer, whether you're a camera. When the athlete, the fighter p passes the, the audience, it's like either you see them start limping because they're so banged up after a war. You see tears of sadness. You see tears of joy. Once they pass that, you know, the barrier of like backstage from the fans, you see the real emotion come out. And like I remember in one particular, I think it was my Glory 11 Chicago they filmed me right after that and I was just like I didn't even recognize myself because I was just in my wonderful you know zone of just winning hearing I was going to Japan and I just got a natural reaction so it's kind of like I want to see more cameras there I want to see more of those guys reactions it's just I love that part of the fight game yeah I was there in Phoenix that's where I was positioned there is like right where people walk to the back after their fights and yeah, where they walk amazing. through on the way to their fights so it's just that that's that's the best spot I agree with you you get to really see the raw emotions before someone walks out mm -hmm. and after someone walks out yeah oh that that's if you want to really capture fighting that's where you want to stand and watch it's it's unbelievable to be there yeah that's definitely my favorite position so let's go back to ufc 276 the main event israel adesonia with a workmanlike performance against jared cannonier now a lot of people were kind of poo-pooing on this fight but i think that was more because it was a really exciting card you just went through five rounds of alex and vulcan uh, sorry alex and holloway uh, and then another five rounds of Israel and Cannoneer, and people were kind of 
getting a little bit tired, I would say. But yeah. I thought Israel performed really well. He said it was an off night, and if an off night for him is 50-45, 49-46, 49-46. It's a pretty good off night. Yeah, not bad. I mean, I think that's Izzy, and I think we have to start looking at Izzy in that manner. I think why people get upset is because they they think Izzy's going to go out there all the time and smash and go crazy. He's a technician. You got to look at him as as a, as almost like a, a Floyd Mayweather. He's good defensively. He's good in and out. He he's not going to take big risks. But when he hits you, he's going to do damage. And I think that's the biggest problem. We got to start looking at him as this masterful, you know, performer rather than someone who's. In reality, he's not a huge knockout artist, and I, I don't know where people got this big illusion that he is. Like he's just technical. He'll catch you on a counter. He'll hit you on angles you don't see. He's such a master in his craft that I think people just expect knockouts. But to me, the biggest downside of this main event is Jared Candanier. I mean, I'm not saying that he's not a great martial artist or an athlete. It's the will to win wasn't there. I mean, the passion. This is a world title. I mean. You got to give it. You got to go a little bit more. You got to take some risks. This might be your one and only chance to accomplish your dream. I felt he didn't put in the risk that he needed to, to kind of, one, entertain into two to steal the belt. Well, here's another thing we have to consider. Let's look at his pre- Israel's previous opponents. Before we jump on this guy for not finishing everybody, Cannonier never finished in middleweight. Whitaker finished once in middleweight by Israel. Vittori never finished in middleweight or never, never finished, period. Costa... Previous to Israel, never finished at middleweight. Romero, never finished at middleweight. Whitaker, the first time he faced him, never finished at middleweight. Mm-hmm. Gastel, never finished, period. Like, the guys he's facing are not going down. So why yeah. is the expectation that he's going to be that much better than everybody, that he's going to be able to finish every opponent? We need to be realistic here. And even mm-hmm. looking at Volkanovsky, I keep bringing up the stat, but if you look at the top 10 featherweights right now, only one of them has been stopped in the last three years. So to have these expectations that all these guys are going to get finishes all the time because they're the champion, it's an unrealistic expectation. So for, what's Israel supposed to do? Take big risks to try to get a finish and, and risk his belt? He's not going to do yeah. that. And, and yeah. also, if you're a prize fighter, it makes no sense financially to do that either. There's no incentive yeah. for you to get, what, an extra $50,000? What do you think his base pay is at this point in time? He's probably making a million dollars. So he's going to risk a, big a, risk. a million dollars to win 50000 He ended up winning $30,000 from the Bitcoin vote anyways, the, the yeah. Crypto.com fan vote. So yeah. it, everybody's got to stop blaming this guy for not getting finishes. It's, it's not his job to finish. It's his job to win as the champion. And he keeps retaining the title, and he's making it look easy. Yeah, and and I like what I think I've heard a few people say when they listed all of those names of people who he's fought and how great they are and not being able to be finished. I just think those who attack Izzy, then you bring an exciting fight. You have to attack the man, and that's where I'm saying where I think it's Candanier that is a little bit more responsible for people thinking it's a little bit more boring. I mean, yes, does he want to take the risk? Maybe he was being outclassed. Maybe he didn't want to take the risk. Maybe it doesn't mean as much to him, you know, as other people. To me, I'll tell you right now, I would have to, be, if I knew I was down, you know, four rounds going into the fifth fight, you're going to have to knock me out. That's just me personal. I'm going to go out on my shield. I'm going to go out swinging. I, you did see it when I fought Holtzkin. I, I went out because it was too close. I needed that. I, I want to win that bad, and I just didn't see that in him. That That's my only criticism, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, hey, who wants to die in the ring, and who wants to get knocked out? Not many people, but the risk of that world title to me it was everything, and I just didn't see that in Candonier. That's the only that's the only knock I see. Is it, is it a bad one? No. It's just he didn't want to go out on his shield. And, I mean, he's 38. Is he going to get another opportunity? No. 
Like, he's not going to get another title on your shield. That's it. Go on it. So, so I mean, hey, he could have been the guy, the first guy to beat Israel at middleweight. But like you said, it's easier said than done, man. Like, try catching that guy. He's very elusive. He just gets out of the way. And if you take a risk, you're going to get hurt against a guy like Israel. Yeah, but I'm back to the point. You're 38. You're not getting another shot. Who cares? You're at, you're near the end of your career. One add another concussion to your to your record, you're good. Because Candanier, what made me when I was leading up to this fight, Candanier does his best when he gets crazy and wild and starts throwing his long punches and gets aggressive. You're not gonna beat Izzy playing one shot for one shot. You gotta go in combinations. You gotta blast. You gotta go in, take one to give two, you know, like you have to play that game a little bit more. And looking so. at the stats, I mean he did attempt four takedowns. But, uh, yeah, got outstruck pretty much. Higher accuracy for Cannoneer. But at the same time, like, I just don't see... I didn't see enough for him, him to say this, this was somebody who really was dying to get that t- championship belt. That was really going yeah. out there. And, again, it's, it's, it's easier said than done because you're in there against a guy who's a brilliant technician in Israel Adesanya. And, I, yeah. you know, after the fight, I said Israel, you know, fights a... Uh, a technical, tactical fight, and people are like, you mean boring. It's like, well, listen, no. you paid for it. I understand you're disappointed, but at the same time, his job is just to win the fight. Yeah. And if yeah. you can't see the beauty in what he's doing or you can't see the strategy in what he's doing and you don't appreciate that, that's on you. Yeah. yeah. But that's always been main event fighting to me. You know, like, I, I don't think it's something new. It's like we've seen it with all the big champions. I mean, I would say the exception right now would almost be... Uh, Kamaru Usman's trying to go for finishes. He's been pretty good lately. Um, I don't know, because I heard Izzy say, like, oh, look what happened to GSP. You know, he well, went from... I think Volkanovski's you know, trying to go for finishes. I just think that it's hard to do with featherweight. Yeah. I mean, but has he had his finishes recently? Hey, be, Not, yeah, but, Korean Zombie. In Korean his last Zombie, fight. yeah. But, but he, before that fight, he was like, I'm getting a finish in that fight. I'm getting a fi-. Like, yeah. he was really going to pursue the finish in that fight, and, and he did. I mean, we'll, we'll get to Volkanovski in a second. But I think, like you were about to mention, GSP. People forget. People used to boo during GSP's fights. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I we, and now we look at GSP, and we say he's in the mix for the best ever. And I think yeah. when Israel's done, if he doesn't end up losing at middleweight, and I know he says he doesn't like when people say he's undefeated at middleweight, but that's the facts. I think that we're going to really appreciate his career. Look back on it. Because how old is he now? 33? Yeah, and he's still probably has. He's turning 33 The way he gets hit, he's got a long career in him. Right. He's got got easily 40 if he wants it. Yeah, I agree with you. So it depends on how much longer he wants to do it for. But, I mean, I I just – I think the only person that right now that is capable of beating him in middleweight that I could say has a strong chance is Alex Pereira, who we're going to get to a little bit later on as well. That's it. I've been saying that for a long time. The only person that can beat Izzy. It's not the it, – you got to be either a Khabib or you got to yeah. be an Alex Pereira. So Hamzat, I There's think, no in between. could do it. Yeah. But Hamzat, if, yeah, if he gets Yeah, but through his grappling, though, right? Exactly. Because through it's exceptional. He's not going to outstrike Izzy because he's an exceptional grappler. Izzy, uh, you know, Pereira, exceptional striker. Those are only two. You got to be in the extremes. If you're a great wrestler and a great striker, there's no chance you're going to beat him if you're in the middle. You got to be exceptional on on either end. All right. Well, we know what's next for Izzy. It is going to be Pereira. We'll get to Pereira in just a little bit. Alexander Volkanovsky, clean sweep over Max Holloway. And if you wanted an exclamation point, if you wanted to know whether or not he was better than Holloway. This was it. This was the defining performance of the trilogy where he left no questions unanswered. And I think that we need to... To me, today, Volkanovski is the best pound-for-pound fighter in the sport. The way that wow. he dismantled another top-ten pound-for-pound guy like a Max Holloway says enough to me 
about and and beating him three times. And again, Holloway is if you look at the featherweight division, it's one Volkanovski, two Holloway, and three everybody else. Nobody else yeah. is close to those two guys. And if nobody else is close to those two guys, and Volkanovski's dismantling Holloway in that fashion, because we've seen Holloway against Yair Rodriguez, and Yair Rodriguez is ranked number three in the division right now. We saw what he did to Calvin Cater. Picked him apart. Just, uh, basically demolished Calvin Cater. And Volkanovski does that? <sighs> Nobody's beating that guy at 45. I'll say it right now. This, yeah. this current version of Volkanovski, nobody at 45 is beating. No, I agree with you. He's just sharp. Technical, powerful in the right. His footwork is on point. His fainting's on. I mean, he just has so many options to win, and he's he's fantastic. I'm I'm excited to see him. And I mean, I know the narrative now, and I don't necessarily think you agree with all of these changes all the time. But it seems like him in lightweight is what he wants to do. You agree? Yeah, he wants to go to lightweight. So this is the big question with Volkanovski because there are a lot of moving parts right now. First off, there's still a lot of challengers at featherweight. They just haven't been able to break through because they've ended up facing Holloway and they haven't been able. I mean, you've got Ortega and Yair Rodriguez next weekend, so that's going to be an interesting one. But at the same time, Volkanovski already beat Ortega and almost won all five rounds for the most part. Uh, Yair Rodriguez, I don't think, has a great shot against Volkanovski. Interesting stylistic matchup, but I don't think that he's going to be able to beat Volkanovski. So if Volkanovski moves up, here's the, here are the big questions. Okay. First off, this is great for the UFC. Because right now, Charles Oliveira is going around saying, I want to face Conor. I don't want to face Islam Makhachev in Abu Dhabi. Why should we fight over there on his home turf? Not really his home turf, but whatever. It's close. You know, it's, it's uh, closer yeah, to basically. Russia, to Dagestan, I guess, than fighting in the States or fighting in Brazil. There's no card coming up in Brazil, so, I mean, that's not really an option. So, the UFC now has some leverage because they can say to Charles Oliveira, listen... We said we were going to give you the next title shot because of what happened on the scales. And, you know, we believe that um, you are, you know, are next in line to fight for the title because of what happened in Arizona. But if you're not willing to take the fight under our, you know, the way that we want to do it against Islam Makhachev in Abu Dhabi, the title's still ours. It's a vacant title. We can call Alexander Volkanovsky tomorrow and he'll fight Islam in Abu Dhabi. It's a legacy fight for him. Yeah, So. You're going to either sign the contract to fight Islam Makhachev and Abu Dhabi or we're going in another direction. Sorry. And I love Charles Oliveira. You know me. I'm not, I'm not against Charles yeah, Oliveira yeah. here. I know that. I just know how the promotion works. And that's, this is the way the UFC works. They've now got the ultimate piece of leverage to get Charles Oliveira to agree to that fight against Makhachev. Because if he doesn't, the division moves on. The train is always willing to leave the station. We saw that with Nganu when they made the interim belt for Gon versus Derek Lewis. The train is ready to leave the station at any time. You're either going to get on the train or you're going to wait at the station. So yeah. it's up to Charles Oliveira now. If he's going to face Islam Makhachev, he can retain, you know, regain the title. But if not, I expect to see Volkanovski against Islam Makhachev in October. I'm telling you right now. That's what, I, that's what I think we're going to see if Charles okay. Oliveira doesn't agree to the fight. Okay. And now, do you agree with the lighter weight champion getting a title shot right away in the other division? That's Volkanovski. Listen, this is a pound for pound situation. They would give, they would have Usman fight Izzy next if Usman wanted to fight Izzy, but they're friends. They 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 both represent Nigeria, and Usman has said, "I don't want to, you know, have one less Nigerian champion." He has said he's interested in moving up to 205, and you saw him scoring off with Jan Bohovic backstage, which was interesting. That said, if you looked at Edwards staring down Usman, Edwards looked like a, you know significantly bigger than him. 
Really? Yeah, so, I didn't see that yeah. stare down. But Usman looked big when he was with Yuri, though. Uh, sorry, when he with was Jan. with Jan. Yeah. His arms were huge. Arms, Jan's arms looked tiny compared to Usman's. I was like, I don't know. The, the size doesn't look that crazy to me. It doesn't. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Because I think yeah. Yuri Prokhashka versus Usman's an interesting fight. Yeah. You want to know what I heard? Uh, I, I mean, just as a rumor, but like as a, as a future fight that could be fun would be Pereira against Yuri. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, I think that is certainly something that could happen if Pereira ends up winning. Although, I think Pereira is going to, like, let Glover have that fight first. Yeah, yeah. It would make sense. Yeah. yeah. But still, I mean, in the, in the future, that's something. But he could avenge Glover. If Glover yeah. loses a second time to the Yuri. The story's just perfect if that's the that case. That would be such a fun fight. Yeah. Be so, where does Max Holloway go from here? I want to know. Is he just kind of sits there or, or what? That's what, a great question because I've been thinking about that a lot. And I think he probably takes some time off, and we just wait to see what happens. Like, I, I don't think that we, we need to make this determination now. That's kind of what I've been saying about this is, like, mm-hmm. there's not really a natural next step for Max. You can, he can decide if he wants to start facing featherweight contenders again and try to earn another title shot, say Volkanovski dropped the title or something, or they need an interim. Who knows? But he could also move to 55, but he didn't look that big, man. Like, he's small against the 55ers. Yeah. He's, yeah. Just, he's just so thin and wiry, right? And he's not... Super tall, either. Like I think, like Alex Pereira is pretty wiry as well, but he's tall. Whereas Max at 55 isn't particularly tall. So I think for Max to move up to 55, he's going to really need to fill out, and I don't know if he's capable of that. So I think Max Holloway versus Tony Ferguson would be an amazing fight. Like if they wanted to make a good fight for Max um, and have him move to 55, I think that is a fight that a lot of people just as a feature fight, fun fight. Pay them both a good amount of money. Do that fight. That to me makes a lot of sense. But right now, I couldn't tell you what should be next for Max Holloway. I think we need to kind of wait for the the dust to settle a little bit. I just think, as uh, I'm speaking, you know, if I were Max Holloway, I'm thinking I'm him right now. The motivation, like you need, you need a why in this sport, and you know. I mean, what's the the fun of it? Fighting guys, you know, who are not the champions. You said it yourself earlier. There's the one and two, and then there's the rest. So it's like, does he want to keep fighting the rest and then fight again in in a fight that, you know, he felt how good Volkanovski was. I mean, who knows? And the amount of wars that Holloway's been in and the years he's been there, like, I don't know if he has even the body durability to keep up this kind of pace. So I don't know. I think it's tough and... I mean, I think right now maybe just fun fights for him. Yeah, I hear that, um, and I and I think that's probably the way to do it. I think you you make him him versus Gaethje, him versus Ferguson, something along yeah. those lines where it's kind of a you know a fun fight for him. But does he want to be in those kind of fights too? Because those are firefights, and yeah, those are gonna hurt. Yeah, he yeah. told me that he he wants to retire at thirty five. He's thirty years old now. So he's got five more years in the sport. It's a long so, time. Him and his team, and he's got a great team around him. They only care about Max Holloway. It's the best kind of team to have. He's got his manager only manages Max. His team only, for the most part, they have other people there, but I mean, they focus their energy on Max Holloway. They are going to guide him in the right direction. I don't think Max needs to yeah. worry about it. I think he's in good hands. But I don't, I don't think right now is the time to make the determination for what's next. Year. I just don't think there's enough information right now. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel you. That was just one I really wanted to ask you about because I have no idea either what could be good for him. If I was managing him, I don't know the direction, to be honest. I would just say, take some time. You just got married. Take like eight, nine months, and we'll go back to the drawing board. Maybe we'll fight next international fight week. I yeah. just don't think that now is the time for him to think about fighting. I just think that was a, ba- that was a punishing fight. He didn't get finished, but I mean, he took a lot of damage in that fight. 
Yeah, the roles got reversed. What he was doing, everybody else, you know, just getting picking them apart, smashing them with volume, like what he was doing to the Kelvins, he ate it right back. That's the name of the sport. And, karma got him. And remember how much faster, well, it's not really karma, it's just, it's just like you said. It's, it's the game. It's just it's, the game, man. And I mean, Holloway, it it, he looks fast against a lot of these guys. Look how fast he looked against Cater. He looked slow. He looked like he was in quicksand against Volkanovski. Yeah. And that's how Think good Volkanovski is. Though. Like, if you're watching Holloway dominate guys like the Kelvins and all of his other big fights, and then all of a sudden you see what Volkanovski did to him, it must almost look unattainable now. Like, you got to think he's sitting really high um, when he's when the other guys are looking up at him because that's what he did was just insane. And especially in a trilogy, like that, that's what's even more impressive. Yeah, you have more time in there with them, and you'd think that they would know what to do. You would but, think it'd be yeah. less of a dominating performance the more they fight because yeah. they're so well, you know, trained. Insane. And Max is the younger guy. Max has been looking really good. Max looks great in the second fight. But, hey, he's 3-0 now. I don't think Max is getting another shot at Volkanovski. I think that ship has sailed. How much did you love Volkanovski talking a little bit? I just, I was like, he's in the zone, man. Well, he explained like, he's playing Max's backstage. game. He explained it to me backstage. Okay, let me hear so, it. So I asked him about that, and he said, and when he was talking, when he was walking to the cage, he goes, the talking made me feel like I was in the now. He goes, uh. being able to talk to him, it felt like I was able to really center myself on what was going on in that moment. And he, yeah. he said, like, his mentality is just, like, focus only on now. Don't worry about anything else. Just be your best self in the now, and things will go well. And he said that that was something that he, th he thinks he's going to start doing it more in fights because he felt like it really helped him, helped ground him in that moment, mm -hmm. which yeah, I, I thought was that. really interesting. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, he just, this whole fight week, he looked, again, I don't know if I was just analyzing him a little bit more, but he seemed a little bit more chill. Like, even in the press conference, the stare downs, he's just smiling. When, when I saw them face off, I was like, Volkanovski's confident. He's going to win this fight. From that stare down, from his looking, he's like, come on, Max. You know, I know you're not like this. Like, come on. Like, he was just, he was so in the zone all fight week, confident. The way he answered his questions, the more I saw him speak, the more confident I got he would win. And he also said he used them as affirmations. So he, when he was saying, you're slower than me, when he was saying that, it was telling himself that too. Yeah, and yeah, it helped yeah. him. So it's interesting because if, it. if if Volkanovski is going to be this good, man, like I don't know who's stopping that guy. And I think he's a terrible matchup for Oliveira. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. He's good everywhere. Like I mean, I just. But again, Volkanovski, I think he's so good. But we don't really have to see him wrestle too much. He's just so good at managing distance. But his frame himself. Try to wrestle that frame, that short block of power and muscle. Like you can't even wrestle that guy. And I'm sure he's fantastic when he puts it all together. Yeah. Makhachev will be interesting. Like that, I think, is a tough matchup for Volkanovski. Yeah. Probably yeah. the toughest one he would face at 55. So if he ends up beating Makhachev, it's like all yeah. bets are off. I mean, who's going to beat him? So you, you, pound for pound, you're number one right now. Volkanovski. I'm going to ask you again. Volkanovski. Volkanovski. Over Kamaru Uzman and why? Well, I think, first off, it's the quality of opponent. So okay. if you look at Volkanovski's resume, I mean, listen, Korean Zombie's not necessarily going to uh, turn any heads. But just listen to this resume, basically from... 2018 onwards. So Jeremy Kennedy, who was undefeated at the time, mm -hmm. finishes him in the second round. Elkins, who we know how tough he is, gets a unanimous decision over him. Chad Mendez, who, in my opinion, is a top five all-time featherweight. KO yeah, second agree. round. Aldo, 30-27s across the board in Rio de Janeiro. <laughs> unanimous decision against Max. I thought that was a clear win for Volkanovski. Split decision, win over Max. Wins a win. Close fight. Yeah. I gave it to Volkanovski. I thought he won 3-4-5 in that fight. Decision, unanimous decision against Ortega, 
almost a clean sweep on rounds. Yeah. Um, TKO over Korean Zombie, and then 50-45s against Max. Like that resume is an absolutely dyna- like dynamite resume. And then you look at Usman's resume, and again, this is just names. But these are tougher fights. A lot of these are tougher fights for Usman. But let's, let's go back to when he went, like I guess the fight before he wins the title. Unanimous decision over RDA, who has shown when he faces tough wrestlers, they can beat him. Yeah. Tyron Woodley, unanimous decision. I don't think Tyron Woodley won a fight after that, right? Like I, yeah, I think he lost every fight after that. streak, yeah. Um, and now whether that's because of Usman, I don't know. But uh, TKO win over Colby Covington. Close fight up until that fifth round where, of course, he gets the finish. Decision win over Masvidal. TK over Gilbert Burns, solid win. Yeah. But keep in mind, Burns used to be a 55er. Masvidal used to be a 55er. KO win over Masvidal. Unnecessary rematch, in my opinion. Yeah. Gets the KO over uh, Masvidal. And then a tough, unanimous decision win over Covington. I thought he won that fight pretty clearly, but I think the resume is better for um, Holloway, in my opinion. I just think he's got a... Or sorry, for um, Volkanovski, rather. I just think he's got the, the higher quality wins. And I think that he's starting to really um, show how much better he is than everybody. Yeah. No, it's a fair point. It's close. Listen, it's close. I I think if you say it's Usman, there's no way I'm arguing with you. Very close. And then you've got Izzy in there, too, who hasn't lost at middleweight. And he's beating everybody in in pretty dominant fashion as well, right? So we've got three elite, elite, elite champions right now in those divisions. Yeah. Very hard to pick. Yeah. I, I, I keep hearing everyone and all the journalists talking about it. I just... I think it's it's an opinion. It's obviously, also a stupid discussion. At the it end is of the a day, dumb discussion. But it, it's, as a fighter, like it's it's one that you enjoy to hear, though. I think it's, you should get rid nice of the term be... "p" for like pound for pound. Like, just who's the best right now? Who's the best fighter in the world right now? Like, who's that much better than their competition? And I think it's Volkanovski, personally. Especially if you're looking at just their division. Division skill, but then again, division. It's such a hard question because it's like if you look at middleweight where Izzy is. It's like how many contenders there are more strikers. It works for him. If it was, if if Izzy in the same weight was put in the welterweight division, I don't think he would be champion. Who knows? Right? It, it, who knows? It would be that much more difficult with the with all the different. And that's what pound for pound and, is. Like if you took yeah. if you took Volkanovski and you took his skills and put it into hard, a heavyweight's you know? body, is there anybody yeah. at heavyweight beating him? Yeah, yeah. It'd basically, be Stipe. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so uh, no, it's, it's a tough one, but I'm, just, I'm, I'm always curious to to hear that 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 question. But yes, it is a very dumb question. I yeah, I mean, it's just it's hard to prove, right? Did you, you, it's like who's the best of all time? It's like I didn't know they're different eras. It's hard yeah. to tell. Is GSP <laughs> yeah, better? Right. So it's so is Mike Tyson better than I don't, I don't know? Can Mike Tyson beat you know Anthony Joshua? Probably. Yeah. Well, I don't listen, know. Like, if you took Habib and you put him in any body in any weight class, I think he's the best fighter of all time. But yeah, you can't. His resume is not the best of all time. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't have the best resume. In MMA, wouldn't it be? What did you say? In MMA, it would be. His resume? Like the guys he's beaten? The the quality of strength of schedule? Just looking at the numbers itself. Yeah. I just don't think the strength of schedule is as good as some of these guys. Yeah. It's a tough one, but I mean, I still think it's a weird thing that it's a huge conversation in the sport, but I like it. it I don't mind it. Alex Pereira. That's what it is. Let's move on to him. My guy. Defeats Sean Strickland. And I was saying all week. If Sean Strickland doesn't implement the game, uh, grappling game plan and thinks he's going to stand with this guy, he is going to get destroyed. And yeah. that's I said, if you're, I was telling people, people were like, oh, I'm betting on Strickland. I go, basically, what you're betting on is that Sean Strickland is smart enough to grapple in this fight. 
and that he's not going to be have the arrogance to think that he can strike with Alex Pereira. Yeah. Is that a safe bet? <laughs> there you go. And they yeah. looked at me sideways. Like I knew some people that were really sharp yep. that liked Strickland yep. in that fight, and I was like. If you think like if, if you are confident that he's going to be grappling and he's really going to try to take him down and make this a dirty fight and bring grappling into it, maybe. But if this is on the feet for like more than two minutes at a time, Pereira's going to beat him. And they're like, nah, I don't. I just don't think people understand how good this guy is. They didn't. Yeah, they don't yeah. understand that he might be the best kickboxer on planet Earth today. And you might not agree with that because you probably think it's you. But he might be the best kickboxer on Close, planet Earth yeah. today. Yeah. He's a two division champion. Yeah, in glory, moved up a division, beat Vahidov, and then in that second fight he lost, but it was a close fight. Very close, fighting yeah. up a weight class. Yeah. So I mean, like to bring that into MMA, and he's going to be facing a striking-based fighter like Strickland, and then another striking-based fighter in Israel next time. Because I don't think Israel's going to try to grapple him. Do you? No, no. Maybe though, you might have. To. He might try to shake it up. up but it Israel's fun, like, yeah. has has Israel registered a takedown in in like his UFC career? I don't even think he's attempted one, has he? I don't know. Maybe have like a cage. I'll look it up. Just to put someone on the cage. But Let's see. I'm going to look it up. It's funny because when you watch Pereira's, like his pad work, his sparring, and even Strickland was making fun of it, it doesn't look good from a technical standpoint. But when you see him fight and the way he just turns his head to avoid punches and the way he counters, like it, it's something special when he fights. Watching him in training, you wouldn't think he's great. It's when he fights, it's his eyes, his, his distance. It's, fan- it's unbelievable. You mean Pereira? Pereira, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who did I say? No, no, I, I wasn't sure if you were talking about Pereira or oh, Strickland. Okay. Because to me, I, the thing I worry about with Strickland is, I think because he spars so much, he leaves a little bit in the gym. Do you agree? Is that a possibility? I just think there's a level to the striking game and his confidence in his striking. Because like I said, I've mixed around with him. He trains a lot with Raymond Daniels. He spars with a lot of big guys. So he thinks that his pressure can do well. And against, like... Again, my style, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. My style that people are used to seeing when I fought in glory isn't a great style for MMA. I used a lot of high guard pressure fighting. So like when you see someone like Gokan Saki, it's, it's that kickboxing style doesn't relate well to MMA, certain styles. So I had to adapt a lot in the last six, seven years where I'm moving now, small glove training. So I've adapted my style to switch stances. But Pereira's always had a style in kickboxing where he's never had his hands up. He's able able to roll with punches move with low hands means you can defend takedowns better you can get the underhooks a little bit easier so Pereira's style is almost made for small gloves and MMA and I don't think Strickland um, is able to handle that style and level I mean it, it takes someone really special to be able to handle the prayer I'm gonna say that the first thing you have to hit with Pereira is low kicks I mean, that's the only chance you have. If you're going to try to reach for his head, he's going to slip and counter you. It's just really hard. You have to be a very good kicker to be able to stand with Pereira. And thankfully, that's what Israel is. But uh, yeah, did you watch? It's going to be hard. Did you watch Vargas' video? His breakdown? Uh, no, I watched uh, clips of his fights from Karate Combat. No, I'm I talking about get... sorry, uh, Gabriel Vargas' breakdown of Pereira versus Strickland. Oh no, I have not. So, yes, he was he was talking about, and I'm sure you picked up on this as well. How Strickland, the way that Strickland is blocking. Is easy, with the Philly shell yeah, a little bit. It's easy to yeah. penetrate with hooks, and that's what Pereira's, like, big weapon is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's because of the hand. It, it's basically when you're in a Philly shell, you have to parry with your rear hand. You parry the jab by, like, bringing your hand out and catching it. And then what Pereira did was he did a lot of jabs to the body because when someone's in a Philly shell, you got to punch the body. That's the key. So from the Philly shell, Pereira was punching the body, jabbing. He got the 
reaction from the parry of the hand, and then he just mixed the hook around it. it it's, it's honestly a very simple boxing tactic, but, I mean, Strickland walked right into it. Like, it was just such a setup. Like, usually when someone throws a jab to the body, they're either trying to set up the lead hook or the overhand right. So, I mean, at that point there, Strickland, I don't think Strickland knows how to move. He just basically knows how to come forward and pressure. He didn't have the ability to adapt. With Pere- If I'm Pereira, I'm fighting on the outside. That's why I think him and Izzy is going to be a, a big, tough fight because Izzy's not going to stand there and bite on those fans because he's going to be too far. He's going to be bouncing. He's going to be fainting on the outside. I, I have a feeling, and I don't want to be the person to say it, but I think it's going to be a, a five-round, uh, slower-paced fight between Pereira and Izzy, to be honest. Yeah, it'll be a tactical kickboxing match, basically, right? Yeah, it'll be a great. Like, watch, like, even if you watch Pereira and Vahitov. Yeah, I, I think that's what it's going like to be. Very clean, good technical. No one's going to, you can't open up and throw sloppy and wild. It's going to be a very technical. And it's small gloves, too. At least with the big gloves, you can sit in the pocket a little bit. With the small gloves, you're not sitting in no pocket, so you're going to be moving more. I don't, I, I'm excited because I know both guys. I know. I've called both of their fights in kickboxing. You know, I'm I'm friends with them. I I, I like to see the fight as a as, as a fan, but I don't think it's going to be the most exciting for the casual fan. All right. So prediction, Pereira, yeah. Israel, early prediction. What do you think happens? Who do you think wins that fight? I think based on outside and activity, I got I I think Izzy. I think Izzy's going to be able to just being able to stay on the outside. But I think it's going to be a close. Um, it's going to be a close, a close win for Izzy. I, I don't know. It's just my gut feeling right now. Interesting. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens and when it is and where it is. I would love to see it this year. Like, I think, what is it, July? You could see it in November in MSG. It's like, that would be an awesome main event for MSG. It would be yeah. a great end-of-year event for uh, December. Um, yeah, I, I'm very eager to see what happens. Now, Jamal Hill sent a message to Sean Strickland a month ago uh, on Instagram. He posted a screenshot. He said, Yo, one thing I notice about dude you're fighting, Pereira, is he throws a one-two to set up a heavy hook to the ear. I would use my hammer blocks, not forearms, just my little input. Sounds like that probably would have been good advice for him to follow. Huh. He says my hammer block. Hammer What's block. a hammer? What's, I guess like just big. It's like big one, I guess it's one arm up stiff to the ear. Yeah. Okay. It's a good. Yeah, I would recommend that. But then again, Pereira could just come up the middle. Come around the through. He jabbed. Like Pereira's just. He he yeah. he's done this for so long. It's probably just muscle memory at this point. He probably notices things, and he actually showed Glover backstage how he did it as well. And it was basically exactly how Varga broke it down. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, like, it's it's not high level stuff. It's it's good basics, man. It's good strong basics, and he just the way he sets it up. The left hook itself is it's a good punch, but. How do you land the left hook is the fun part of the game. He is so he using fast. a feint? Is he setting it up? Is it's like you know it's coming? It's just when is it coming? You don't know. It's just that's how good it is. I throw I mean, such a I throw such fun. a garbage hook. I need to learn how to throw a better hook. Yeah, I'll help you out with that. Okay, well please do because my hook is like it looks like it, just, it looks like a guy throwing a it. baseball. It's like uh, yeah. you got to load. You got to learn to load up your rear side and then rotate with it. Okay. That's your key. I might come to you there for you some uh, some advice. There you go. I'll break it down. All right, perfect. Uh, Brian Barberina finishes Robbie Lawler in the second round. Now, I think officially he threw in the first round, he attempted 171 significant strikes in one round. This is Barberina? Barberina, which is actually the third most in welterweight history for a round. And the other two were also against Robbie Lawler. It was Nick Diaz in that last fight, and it was Carlos Condit. Both attempted like over that amount in one Jeez. round against Robbie Lawler. He so sits in your face the whole time. Yeah, doesn't let you breathe. I thought Lawler was going to win this fight. Uh, Barbarina proved me wrong there, and uh, 
I thought Lawler, I believe I thought Lawler won the first round. I can't remember offhand. But, I think so. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know where Lawler goes from here, but, I mean, you can keep throwing him in fun fights if he wants to do them. Has he fought Matt Brown before? Uh, I don't know. That would be good. Those are the fights yeah, he kind of needs. Yeah, he beat Matt Brown back in July of 2014, so eight years ago. See, that's a fight that I think you, you make again if you want to get Lawler back in there. Yeah. Robbie's definitely looking weathered. You know, like the way, like, to me, it looks like he's got a neck injury. I don't know if he had a neck injury because even when he was moving and slipping, his neck was so stiff. His head was kind of on a platter. He wasn't, you know, like there's no kicking game. There's no, I don't know. I just, he. it's definitely the game is catching up with him. Yeah, you, so. could, you could say that. I, I, It's hard to disagree. I mean. Hasn't been the same since that war against Rory, and really neither has Rory, who just lost actually on Friday against Sabidou C over on the PFL side. Yeah, I saw it said we fought on the same card years ago. Yeah, I remember you mentioned yeah, that, yeah. that he was. He fought Rory. Simon Marcus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he uh, uh, and I fought Medi Baghdad that day. Yeah. yeah UFC sure. vet. Mm-hmm. So uh, he ended up beating Rory McDonald. Uh, tough loss for Rory on Canada Day, no less. But uh, he advanced. But everyone's anyways, saying though, is it true that did he really win? I think all the judges, all the people. I don't know if you watched. I watched it, it at Everyone the morning combat Rory. event in Vegas at the bar. I like peripheral vision kind of thing. But okay, from what I understand, it was kind of. If you looked at the Super FPR, close. you know how they do that FPR thing, yeah. where they calculate the fighter ratings. Both of them were like under twenty for like all three rounds. Like it was just like not an eventful. Just fight. not excited. Okay. So who knows? Not worth rewatching then. Um, but maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I couldn't tell you. I, I again, I watched it in my peripheral vision, and it just looked like Rory was having difficulty taking him down and was trying to implement the takedown defense. This is the problem with the PFL, is like when you're in already, like he already had clinched the spot. So do you coast? I mean, that's the problem. It's like you can't really coast because the other guy's trying to take your head off. Yeah, you get but hurt. But you kind of go into it with like, well, see, if I was in Rory position. I would come in and I'd just tap. Forfeit the fight. Be <laughs> fair, you got a million dollars on the line. Yeah, that's it. You're gonna, if if, you, if you, you're worried you're going to lose anyways, or maybe you're trying to like preserve yourself for the finals, would anybody fault you if you took a walkover? If you just yeah, came I'm in sure and you just kind of tapped the ground? Favorite. I'm sure you won't be the, the biggest fan favorite. Then you do an interview but... afterwards being like, hey, a million dollars on the line. That's it. I, I gave Sadibu yeah. the rub. He's in the playoffs now. Maybe yeah. I'll see you there. That's it. Go in and start tapping. But didn't uh, even Ant- uh, Anthony Pettis lost by submission like that weird twister? Yeah, he got torqued. Yeah, like a and he's still twister. in. He's still well, in. He, the he had clinched the spot before. He clinched the spot before, but he just lost by submission. I was like, okay, I don't understand. But what I think you guys he went doing, into that but... fight being like, fight careful, don't get hurt, don't get into any, you know. And then he yeah. might have torqued his ribs. Although I spoke to his manager Malki Kawa on uh, Tuesday or Thursday rather, and uh, Malki said that he thinks Anthony's going to be fine. Just like needs to rest up. Should yeah, be okay for good. the playoffs. Good good to hear. So we'll see what happens there. But uh, continuing with the main card, first fight on the main card, Pedro Munoz versus Sean O'Malley ends in a no contest due to an accidental eye poke. I'll just start off by saying, if you think that Pedro was looking for a way out, yeah. I don't know if you've just never watched Pedro Munoz fights or anything before. Or, yeah. You're probably just beyond help at this point. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't be. You should, I don't know. It's like if no fighter in the UFC would ever quit. Put it that but way. But not to I mention, mean, it's also Sean O'Malley. Like this is a big fight. If you're gonna win over Sean O'Malley, that's a ton for your stock. And Pedro was what one in four going going into that fight in his last yeah. five against really tough dudes. Like you think Pedro wanted to the fight to end that way? And did you see his eye the next day? He's posting pictures of his eyes. I'll shut up. Like yeah, I'll yeah. I'll like swollen and shut. It's like. 
Yeah. You have to keep fighting, what, in another 10 more minutes almost? Yeah. Eight minutes or something yes, yeah, like that? Yeah, seven, seven more minutes, yeah. But, like, come on, that's insane. Like, with one eye against he said a he was big seeing fight black. like this. All he could see was black when they covered his other eye. Yeah. I mean, I, what I guess people were criticizing a lot is just that it was quick to say it. You know, he was quick to say, I can't see. And, you know, as soon as you say you can't see, it's over right away. So maybe it could have been like, hold on, let me see. Give me a couple seconds. Like, you're going to try. But right away, as soon as the doctor goes, I can't see. I mean, that's the thing. But if you can't see, you can't see. I don't yeah. know what right. people want him to say. He like, went to I mean, the hospital he and had like a – get hurt? I mean, was it a lacerated cornea or something? He had like a bad yeah. eye injury, right? Like, I don't yeah. know. So – I don't know. I don't think those uh, should ever – you should ever question someone's – it sucks. Am I happy that it happened? No. I'm, if those who paid uh, all the pay-per-views, are they happy it happened? No. We want to see Sugar Sean build up and – of course. But, I mean, come on. Yeah, live the fight uh, another day. I mean, eyes. listen, does Munoz want to go in there, fight with one eye and get head kicked, knocked out? Like, Yeah. No. I don't know. Personally, I don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I don't believe they're going to rebook this fight. I just think they're going to go in a different direction. I think that Pedro was kind of kind of the best available guy for Sean O'Malley on that night, and maybe they rebook it, but I think that they're going to look at their options. Yeah, because I, 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 let's be real, this fight was for Sean O'Malley to kind of build himself up the ranking, right? So did he do enough now to give him a bigger fight than Pedro Munoz is my question to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think, again, it's based on availability. And I think a lot of these ranked guys are going to want to face Sean O'Malley. It's good for their persona. They beat a Sean O'Malley. Look at what it did for Cheeto Vera, right? Like, Cheeto's like knocking on the door of a championship now. Yeah, he's the number four in the division, I yeah. think, now, or something like that. So, I mean, it did a lot for him. Um, so, I, I guess we'll see where they go from here. But, I mean, Sean O'Malley, I, I don't know if you saw the video backstage with Cejudo. Did you see the Cejudo video? When he says you sucked or something like Did that, you watch I the, didn't see the video. I heard about it. You might be the only guy on the planet. I think six million people have watched this video. Yeah, so but not me. Yeah. Sorry, I'll make all it six, six million, million people on this planet view. have watched the video. Yeah, <laughs> all six million. It looks That's like all a, we got now. If you watch it, it looks like it's a, a scene from The Office because the way that the guy who shot it, brilliant guy, I should find his name. He's a guy who works for BT. Um, yeah. The way he shot it was just like absolutely brilliant because he panned over to like davison figueredo who was doing an interview at the time and like davison like oh, looks confused <laughs> so it like looks like it was like a scene from the office who's a scarier person if you had to walk in an alley and you saw figueredo or you saw Pereira? if they were same size who's scarier Pereira is like Pereira's <laughs> a frightening guy he's got a he's deep scary, voice doesn't man. show a lot of emotion when you, you shook his hand, did you see the size of those damn things? Oh, dude, the guy's got mitts. And he's also yeah. just, like, built. Like, his arms and legs are like baseball bats. Like, yeah. his bone density is crazy. Even, even like, when you when you look at Izzy, like, oh, look at this skinny guy. Like, you see Izzy in person, he's big. You see Pereira in person, you are just shocked at how big Pereira that is. Pereira is a giant. Like, he's, he's the second biggest middleweight, I think, ever. I think Kendall Grove might be the biggest, but, like, he's just huge. And he's got probably like the strongest, densest bone. Yeah, that's you know? what I'm saying. Just looks strong and dense. Like baseball you know? bats. Just it's a terrifying. Insane. Somebody asked me who would you like. Somebody asked me actually last week the same question you asked me, but with Strickland instead of Figueroa. Like if you were in an alley, would yeah. you try your luck with Strickland or Pereira? I was like Strickland. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe I could talk Strickland out of it. Pereira doesn't even understand yeah, what Pereira I'm saying. Pereira doesn't understand what you're saying. Yeah. That's funny. That's good. So the guy, the name of the guy who shot the video was Matthew Connell. He's a uh, Okay. For, it's on YouTube? For BT. It's, on, it's on Twitter. I'm sure it's on everywhere YouTube. Everywhere now. I'm, I'm sure, sure it's, it's everywhere. everywhere. I saw Nick D, uh, Nate Diaz slap out a reporter. Good thing it wasn't you. I was wondering if it was set up. Because if you look Me at the too. slap, he hits the guy's hat and then kind of the shoves mic. him. 
Yeah. It wasn't. It was it the wasn't, mic in the hat. He slapped the hat and shoved the guy. It, it was actually a guy from the, that full send. I met the guy. He's a Canadian guy. He's based out in Vancouver. Okay. Yeah. It looked a little staged because it wasn't a slap on the face. It was a hat and then the mic. There was no real. I'm sure. If, listen. Either that or Nate intentionally hit those two. Because if Nate wanted to smack him in the face, he ain't gonna miss that bad. Right. No, slap, but you, you, you know. see, if you look at Nate's left hand, he shoves the guy after when he throws the slap. So it looks yeah. like the guy's getting hit, but it's actually just getting uh, shoved. So that's a fake that's, Stockton slap. I, I Pruder film analyzed it to make sure that yeah. uh, there's, okay. there's no shenanigans here. There you go. Probably the most impressive win of the night, Jalen Turner, maybe, yeah. maybe second to Alex Pereira's win, defeats Brad Riddell. Sick guillotine choke. I mean, I said to Jalen backstage afterwards, I go, I wasn't sure about this one. I said, I said before you fought Vicente Luque and you came in and you were an 8-1 to one underdog, I said, I thought that you had a good chance. I go, going into this one, I just wasn't sure where, like, because Brad Riddell was just ranked. I said, like, I didn't believe that you were going to, like, I didn't believe it was going to be a fight like that. I didn't think you were yeah. going to blow this guy out. Yeah, I mean, just his body frame is long, he's man. Huge. Like, he is huge. Like standing next to that for guy, anybody. he's a trouble big dude for anybody. Yeah. and it was funny because that fight. I mean, I think the fight before was uh, uh, the Miller Cerrone, and before the event, I was like, guys, I just been watching. I just something in my head. I said, watch how many front headlock choke finishes there's going to be. Like for recently, I've been seeing just just the opportunity to to grab necks, guillotines, darces, anacondas. Like there's so much opportunity for that. And then all of a sudden, I kept messing with guy. Told you, told you, told you. Like everything. Like most of the submissions now are coming through guillotines and darces. It's insane. Yeah, well, I, the darce is such an underutilized weapon, and it has been for years. Like when you see people that are really good at it, like hmm? like Luke. Like, there's for more example. finishes with a guillotine than there's rear naked chokes now. Yeah, probably. for sure, for sure. People are snatching you know? that up like nothing. Yeah, so I mean that's the choke uh, that's happening now. So you got to protect your neck. So Jalen Turner is number fourteen now. Um, I got to remember that I believe in this guy. I got to re- go back to that fight against Riddell because this was the fight where he really sold me. Because he was kind of had ups and downs early in his career. It took him a while to find consistency, but he's still only twenty-seven years old. Like the guy still has such yeah. a future ahead of him. Yeah, no, I, I think his his future is bright. This guy's I, the limit. I'm excited. Where does he go from here then? Someone like you would like to see him match. Well, with. you look at the the rankings. Like Dan Hooker's there. That would be interesting. Demir yeah, Magulov that's, that's is interesting. That's a big jump too. Sarukian coming off a loss. That would be a really tough matchup for him. Um, Dos Anjos, if he doesn't beat Faziev this weekend, is an interesting one. Yeah, he's, you know. got, he's got some big fights coming up. Like when I'm looking at the guys ahead of him, he's got some fun ahead of his for him in his career. And you have some others that are kind of coming up right now. So I think that I think there's. Just take your time. I think he's going to be able to work his way up the rankings pretty quickly if they if they match him up against the right opponents. Gamrot's up there pretty good, eh? At number eight, I didn't think he was that highly ranked. Well, because he beat Sarukian. And that got him up that there. That got him up. Jeez, Even though I thought well Sarukian won that fight, I was very surprised that Gamrot got the decision in that one. Jeez. So, right. let's uh, continue moving down. Jim Miller defeats Donald Cerrone in the final, with an asterisk, because you never know an MMA fight for Donald Cerrone. Mm-hmm. Bare knuckle this, knuckles. Yeah, bare exactly. Knuckle well, Felice Herrick signed there yesterday. I know. I just that's why I said that's, that. Too. That's the retirement home for fighters. Is BKFC. Yeah, it seems like it. Yeah, um, but no, Cerrone wants to do films and stuff. Um, so we'll see. And I, I don't think the UFC would actually let him out of his contract to go fight at BKFC. With whereas with Felice yeah. Herrick, it's like okay, whatever. Yeah, have fun. But uh, Cerrone it was his 48th fight if you if you combine his UFC and WEC careers. 40th UFC fight for Jim Miller. Just two legends. And uh, yeah. Jim Miller told me, you know, he was talking all throughout the week leading up to the fight that he was a free agent after this, that he hadn't um, been able to, he, you know, he hadn't sorted his contract out beyond that fight. 
He told me backstage afterwards that uh, after the, the ceremonial weigh-ins, him and Sean Shelby hashed out his next contract. He's got four more fights now with the UFC. Good. And is hoping to fight at UFC 300. That's his big goal. Because he yeah, he's, he's fought at UFC 100 and 200. Let's go. Yeah, I, I, for sure they should. They better. They better let the guy do it. Come on, like I mean, if that's one of his goals in the sport, you gotta give it to him. But I mean, what Jim Miller's a a lightweight, moved up in weight, fought Cerrone. I mean, looked at, like he didn't cut a pound, obviously, and just did what he had to do with Cerrone. To me, it was an easy win to pick Miller. Like just like you gotta think. Cerrone's just begging for that last fight. He just wanted to get it over with. There's no passion left in him. He admitted There's all no that fight stuff too. in him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying anything wrong, but I mean, that's how you know you're out. I always say, there. Everyone has to go. Oh, when should a fighter retire? It's when you lose your why and your passion, then you got to go. He actually said you before the Conor fight, he felt that way. I mean, that was yeah. years ago. That was 2020, like January 2020. This is two and a half <laughs> years ago. He, he said he felt kind of like he had a foot out the door. Yeah, but Cerrone to me was. Um, I think one of the main things I got from Cerrone as as a fighter was his ability to still enjoy life outside of the sport while competing. And I think a lot of fighters forget that, and I think he did it the best. He was still having fun. You saw him you know, wakeboarding. You see him shooting. You see him at the ranch. You see him with boys building things. And it's just he always like he was always having fun through his fights. And it always made me seem like, man, I was so serious all the time. Like I needed to take a little bit of Cerrone in, in my life and my camps would have been good. Yeah, he basically built a compound so that he could do all the stuff that he loved doing, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I was talking, I'm trying to remember who I was talking about last week. I guess it was Sean O'Malley. Like, Sean O'Malley is, has done a great job of using the UFC as a platform to kind of further him in life. Like he's been able yeah. to really make more money outside of the cage than in the cage because he's been able to show his kind of versatility as a person. I, I, I kind of wish that a lot of fighters would think about that as well. Like what are you doing outside of your training that can help you make more money? Yeah. Because yeah. I think he does yeah. that really well. Oh, yeah. is is. BMF ranch is incredible. I want to start a bazooka ranch because of that now. He inspired me. I need to find some big property here in Ontario and just get a big ranch and a barn that I'll turn into a gym. That'll be yeah, fun one day. Build some dorms. Yeah, there you go. Unfortunately, the real estate prices pretty much everywhere in Ontario. Too expensive have gone now, up quite yeah. a bit. Should probably go out to New yeah. Brunswick and do it there. Yeah, I need to go somewhere. Go by the ocean. You could get a big place by the ocean for like $100,000 in New Brunswick. You just train by the ocean all day in the summer. Why is it so cheap there? I got to look there now. I got to get out of Toronto. Okay. Well, look up Bathurst, New Brunswick, and you can just do that. All right. Um, Ian Gary defeats uh, Gabriel Green. Uh, I guess Gabe Green, as uh, he's mostly known as. I thought this was going to be a really tough fight for him, and Ian Gary proved to me that this guy is like, he's the real deal. Because Gabe Green, I knew, was going to stay in his face three rounds. I knew it was going to be a tough fight, and Gary just picked him apart uh, beautifully. Yeah, I, th- I think he's good, tall, long, and I think uh, to just him being young, he'll grow with time. Um, I don't think he's quite there yet to be put on this huge hype pedestal, but uh, I think he'll develop in time to be fantastic. I don't think he has that big power killer instinct, but he's sharp, he's technical, good with his distance, um, listens to his corner well, adapts. The potential's there, I'll put it that way. The, the potential's definitely there, he just needs a little bit more experience now. 
Yeah, I, I, I just thought that uh, this was going to be a really difficult fight for him, and he made it look really easy. So I, yeah. I was very impressed by his performance. What he did was he started off slow, like in his other fights. I was like, come on, Gary, come on, let's get pick it up a little bit. It's when he gets hit or hurt, and then we saw a little bit of urgency. I'm like, that's where I seen the potential in him. When, when he kind of went for it a little bit, he looked powerful, sharp, long. So, I mean, uh, he just needs a little bit more of that uh, mean style to him. So Drikas Duplessis gets a unanimous decision win over Brad Tavares, 29-28 across the board. The first thing I said to Drikas Duplessis backstage was, you know that like most of those shots would have killed 99% of people, right? Like, I don't know how Brad Tavares withstood that kind of power. Like, he was throwing, like, Drikas Duplessis is just throwing fastballs. He's throwing, like, shots that are, you know, with intent, with violent <laughs> intent for the entire fight. He wasn't throwing jabs, like, he's just throwing big power shots for the entire fight and i don't know how brad Tavares stayed within three rounds like because he was getting hit yeah 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 and it's funny too because i messaged the the guys on my team like i would like to fight duplessis <laughs> just because it'd be fun to fight to me because he's gonna come forward he's aggressive i was like man that would be so he would be so fun to fight i mean that guy's just, a problem man i liked it this guy's know, a problem that's why i liked it he was fun he mixed it up well he pressured he He's like, what was crazy was I saw him in the first round. I think he tried wrestling a little bit in the first round. Then I'm like, he's breathing so heavy. I'm like, where's this guy's gas Yeah, I thought, that guy was gonna, I thought he was going to gas out for sure. And and this no, is actually, I think, his first ever decision. In. Jeez, I mean, but that's why I was like, I like him. I mean, I'm saying it with all due respect. I'm like, I like him. That's why I would love to fight someone like him. I'm just going to bet like, him by was, knockout in every fight going forward. Because the guy's just oh, like, amazing. he just throws massive shots all the time. Oh, yeah. You got to be careful, though. He's also hittable, too. So, I mean, I think that's what's going to be fun, too, so, um, in some of the bigger fights for so him. So, bet both guys by knockout. Him and, like, if they're both plus money on the knockout prop. You just bet both by knockout. That's it. Done. I don't yeah, think he's no, going to see fun. any more decisions. Like, like, if he's going to fight like that. <laughs> I, I have no idea how Tavares survived that. I, honestly, I was watching it just being like, how is this guy still standing? It's unbelievable. Yeah. But Tavares has always had a legendary chin. Oh, yeah. And he's someone, too. Like, let's be real, man. That guy needs a lot more credit for how long he's been fighting and how consistent he's been. Like, Tavares has been around for a while. Oh, oh like, yeah, he, dude. He's, he's been around everybody. forever. He's been around since like, UFC 125 or before UFC 125, 2010. He's been around 12 years now. Yeah. And he's how old? 30, he's early still pretty 30s. young. He's 34. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I don't think we he's never really got the huge top five fights, but that man's been consistent, putting on good fights. You know, like he's he deserves a lot of credit, Brad Tavares. Yeah, I mean, all I know is that uh, Duplessis is a killer. I'm excited to see what is next for this guy because he is like he's yeah. unbelievable. Fun. And fun, speaking definitely. of middleweight, another middleweight prospect. You got well, I can't call him a prospect anymore. He's 32, but Andre Muniz defeats Uriah Hall. Surprised Uriah Hall was able to hang with him and not get tapped. By a guy like that. I mean, Muniz had good control on the ground for some time. And this guy's one of the best jujitsu guys in the, in the entire division. Yeah. I, I'm going to say it. I'll say it out loud. Uriah Hall needs to retire. I'm sorry. Like, the, I, I don't, I, I can say it, but when I, I talk about passion, there's no passion left in him. There's no passion. There's no excitement left anymore. Turning 38 this month, too. It, it, it's time for Uriah. Uh, like, I mean, I'm just, he's, doesn't, there's no excitement. There's no action. There's yeah, no. He's passion always been like anymore. this. He's always been I like know, this. I know, but like at least he. What? So to me, he's had one good fight, and what in his Ultimate Fighter, he did a spinning back kick. Yeah, and, I remember. And since he then, I've never man. seen Adam anything Sella. from him. I've never seen anything from him since. There's no passion. They talk about this great striker, the great striker who doesn't throw any strikes. He'll sit there and watch you for 15 minutes. He's there's no passion left, and I know everyone's in a different situation, but. 
there's no passion left in him. There's no excitement. There's no will to win. There's no, I want this bad anymore. It's gone in him. I mean, it's just not there. Uh, I, I guess we'll see what's next for him. I, his next fight could be his last fight. I mean, again, 38. But listen, he was on a four-fight win streak before losing uh, to Muniz and Strickland. Like, those are two yeah, top like, guys. Boring wins. Uh, one was, one was Weidman breaking his leg, I mean, in 17 oh. seconds. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's the most exciting excitement he's given us. He's, you well, know, you're forgetting block. one other one. You're forgetting one other big knockout. Which the one? Musasi one. The spinning, the flying spinning kick. He the landed spinning, on Musasi. Yeah. Flying knee and punches on Musasi. Two. He's got two spinning okay. kicks that were good. Now, as long as you're that cutting it for both, then you're good. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it in him anymore. I don't see it. But I'd say, do you, do you. I'm not, I'm not telling you to stop. But for me, if I'm a matchmaker, he doesn't want it anymore. Well, one retirement uh, was Cerrone. The other was Jessica I. Macy Barber defeats Jessica I. 29-28, 29-28, 30-27. Um, you know, Macy from the second round on just kind of picked it up and uh, was able to get it done. Yeah, she's finding herself again, I feel. You know, she'll, uh, I don't know what the narrative of her, oh, looking for a title shot, but I mean, I think she's still a little while from there. Well, she just has a lot of belief in herself, which is important. And uh, she's now Mm -hmm. that she's training at uh, Team Alpha Male, or Team Alpha as it's now known, um, with Uriah uh, Faber Faber, and, and crew, Seems like she's found some consistency, which is what I think she really lacked when she was moving from camp to camp. She was in Denver for a bit, then Chicago. Mm-hmm. She's moving around a lot. I think now that she's kind of settled with the camp, I think we're going to see the best Macy Barber going forward. And I think she's got a lot of talent. Yeah, me too. Julia Stolyarenko defeats Jessica Rose Clark by armbar 42 seconds into the first round. Second straight first round armbar loss for Jessica Rose. And uh, Stolyarenko gets her first UFC win. Yeah, that was sad to see because... Uh... I'm friends with Jessica, so it's kind of sucks to see her come off of a knee injury, repair that, come back. Dropped her in that fight, too. Yeah, it was a big punch. She landed some good power, and then uh, Stolyarenko, man, just held it a little too long. I I don't know. I mean, it's just a crappy situation, but it was almost one of those – why am I drawing a blank with his name? Who's the the arm breaker in the male division? Pajares. Stolyarenko did a Pajares. That was legs. Yeah, whatever. He grabs, he's yeah. got breaks. Yeah, yeah. Like, whatever that is. But, yeah, I mean. It's, there was uh, also the arm collector. What was that guy's name from Bellator? The arm collector? Yeah. I know the arm collector was uh, Ronda Rousey. Wasn't she considered the arm collector, too? Well, when I looked up the arm. Oh, uh, Giva Santana. That's who I was thinking. Hmm. Giva Santana. He's 50 years old now, so he was the arm collector a long time ago. But that was his nickname. There you go. Well, look at that. Look at that memory. That was very good. I had, to, I had to look his name up, but, yeah. That's still good. They started to call Rousey the arm collector, but he's the original arm collector. He's Diva the original. Sandana. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Um, what was the other thing I was going to mention to you um, about this uh, Stolyarenko fight? I don't remember. I had something on the, the uh, edge of my uh, edge of my tongue about Stolyarenko, or yeah, I can't really remember. But uh, solid fight. She got a, a bonus. Oh yeah, I remember what I was going to say. So some dude on Twitter sent posted a picture that Jessica Rose Clark blocked him because he complained to her that she ruined his parlay. His seven, a parlay that would have won him $7,000. He said, you ruined my parlay. First off, don't do this. If you're, if you're betting on sports, that's on you, not on the fighter. You think the, fighter's, yeah. you think the fighter cares about your parlay? She's mad that she didn't get her fight bonus. Yeah. And she has to go to surgery. Yeah, now. yeah she, probably has, she has a yeah. broken arm probably. Yeah. Dude, don't do it. Like, listen, first off, don't do this. Second off, she didn't ruin your parlay. Because your parlay was alive after she lost. Just need to place it again. Yeah, that's She's the it. first fight of the night. Yeah, so, place the other ones. Yeah. So if you're going to be a bonehead and reach out to her and say, oh, you ruined my parlay, you ruined your parlay, buddy. 
You ruined it because yeah. you could have just placed it again. If you were confident yeah. in it, which obviously you weren't because she lost, yep. place it again. Yeah. And don't she ruined my parlay. She ruined my parlay. I'm not going to lie. Did you send, you should send her a message, it. Joe. Yeah, I should. At least you've been no, in there. If she says, well, what are you, you ever been in there before? Be, yeah, I, I have. never do that. I know you Never. Because so you bad. are a sensible human being and not a bonehead, Joe. See, I don't even want to bet on friends, but I just, I feel like I have to because I want <laughs> you have an to. obligation? Yeah, because then I feel that much happier for them, you know? Because I'm like, yeah, we both won together. <laughs> like, you're, I'm still happy, but it just makes it that much better. So I need to stop betting with friends. What you should do is bet against them, and that way you're happy regardless of what happens. I, if they no, win, I'm you're happy? I'm still sad. I'd rather, I'd rather not win the little bit of money and them win, so that doesn't work for me. I didn't get a chance. I was going to interview Julia afterwards, but she, uh, I, I didn't really like formally request it. I'm not blaming anybody, but she's actually born in the same city as my dad in Covenus, Lithuania, so... Shout out to uh, Covenus, Lithuania. Who's your MVP from the UFC 276? Who's your MVP? Alex Pereira. Okay. Although, I, you know, Volkanovski's in the mix too. Yeah. But Alex yeah. Pereira, Between I mean, just, just such a sick knockout. Becomes the number one contender. I mean, not in the rankings, but he's going to be phasing, fighting for the title next. Yeah, yeah, speaking of the rankings, Sean Strickland was ranked number four going into the event. Pereira beats him, and now he's ranked number six. Now, I always yeah. complain about people... Saying, oh, well, this person beat this person. They take their ranking. But listen, in no world should Paulo Costa and Derek Brunson be ranked ahead of Alex Pereira after that performance. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, <laughs> I think Sean Strickland beats Costa and beats Marvin, uh, Derek Brunson. Yeah, me too. Now, I heard, I heard it, uh, I heard, I think it was Brandon Schaub. I heard a clip of him talking about this, but something along the lines of like, and it makes, it made a little bit of sense where it was like, the middleweight division, you couldn't have – like this is obviously – Pereira's move in the UFC was definitely to get him to Izzy as fast as possible. But now if you – like we said, who's the worst matchup for him would be Pereira. So why would you want to fast track your – like you know what I mean? You almost want to see Izzy lose. Is it to challenge him? Like what is the point of fast tracking him? Because when you look at the division, to me it would make a lot more sense – to see him against a guy like maybe in a Martin Vittori before. Imagine Pereira Whitaker. No, they're oh doing they're doing gosh. the right thing. They're doing the right thing. They are doing the right thing to build it, but no, like no, if you're the fast looking track at the they're division. doing the right thing to have him fight for the title next. He's turning thirty five. Yeah. You have okay. a built in story. You don't let this one die. You have to do it yeah. now. You've given you gave him the perfect matchup catered to him winning against Strickland, a guy who's gonna stand with him. Mm-hmm. You did what you needed to do as a promotion to legitimize Alex Pereira. You make Who are you helping, though, in this, by fast-tracking him? Who are you helping? you helping Izzy? Are you helping Pereira? Are you just helping the sport in excitement? You're helping the promotion, and that's okay. what they care about. You're selling tickets. Because now mm-hmm. you have a guy who beat Israel twice in kickboxing. He comes in. He's won three fights. Mm-hmm. He's the big thing, kickboxing champion. To promote, this is the most promotable fight in the division. Give me a, give me a fight for Israel that's more promotable than this right now. Can't. You can't. No. doesn't exist. Can't. Yeah. So you've yeah. legitimized him. Now's the time. You have to do it now. Yeah. I'm honestly more excited to see Pereira in other fights coming up. <laughs> is, is this that crazy to sound? Like, you know, like, because I, I, listen, like, I've been watching, I'm the biggest kickboxing fan you've ever met in your life. I mean, in, I mean, in, in this decade. If you like, want to say fan, sure, but I mean, you, you also competed in this sport. Yeah, I competed in it. I, I analyze it. I'm the commentator for it. I do more for kickboxing in the world than anybody. And, I, and I, I've seen two high level strikers go at it. Okay. So, I mean, this is. 
it's kind of something I'm used to, you know. But when I think of Whitaker and Pereira, that almost gets me that much, you know. I'm excited to see. I'm more excited to see Pereira tested in a full mixed martial arts sense than just two kickboxers going at it. Speaking of which, we got to get Vakitov into the uh, UFC. I saw that Glory cut him <laughs> because yeah, of the yeah, ties to Russia. I don't like that kind of. I didn't like that move, but it's okay. I don't really understand it. I mean, he doesn't have anything to do with what's going on over there, but I am, whatever. Uh, some yeah. some promotions it is what it is. and whatever are doing it. But don't you think that his skill set in the light heavyweight division would translate really well? Yeah, because he moves his head. He bounces in and out. He'd be great. I don't. And I mean, you got to think because uh, he's from Kuzbas, Russia. I'm like, those guys got some good sambo and yeah. down there. I'm sure he can get some good work. Exactly. You can just teach him how to stuff a takedown. I mean, you don't put yeah. him in against Ankalaya right away, but I mean... If you were to put him, just looking at the division, if you were to put him against, like, Tiago Santos, he could probably beat Tiago Santos. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you the reason why he's not, and I, I'm not saying it's the real answer or not, but uh, in the last three, four years, even with the Pereira fights, we didn't think they were going to happen because of broken hand problems. He's oh, got bad hand tough? problems. So now put him in a four-ounce glove, his yeah, hand's that's done. That's more hold up. Okay, I his didn't hand know that. is done. Yeah, he's got very – one of his hands had multiple surgeries. Even now, with he's barely used a, a lot in the last couple fights. and but, So that would be the biggest problem. But, yeah, his style is perfect for it. Perfect for MMA. So you're uh, you're back on the um, on the glory train soon. I think there's an event in August. Yeah, we did uh, we did a first one. Uh, I think it was our glory rival series. I think that was yeah. a while ago. We talked about that. But then uh, the next one we're in Germany, and that's in we're August. Going right? uh, August twentieth, Dusseldorf, Germany. And who's we on the card? Stacked the card. Uh, the main event is Jamal Ben Sadiq and Benjamin Adekwu. Okay, so we talked about this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I watch the that fight one. every weekend if they book it. Yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> So they got some good fights, and then uh, I'm hopefully going to uh, Karate Combat August 27th in Miami. Oh, nice. I have my uh, my guy Diego making his Karate Combat. Is that the young guy? Uh, not my young guy. Okay. No, he's uh, my Venezuelan fighter. Fantastic striker. You know, it's it's great. Like so, he'll be making his debut there, and then uh, uh, the main big card we're looking for is October 8th. That's our Botter Overing. Yeah, fight. that's Collision. Yep, Not to be confused with the four. collision conference that I spoke at a couple weeks ago with uh, Cyborg. Oh. Now, question for you. You did the refing course this weekend, didn't you? No, that's, that uh, that's coming up not this weekend, but the weekend after. In, oh, okay. Uh, I thought it was this, in Niagara uh, Falls. this week. I thought it was. No, it's, okay. uh, it's next week. I'll be uh, in Niagara Falls doing the judging and refereeing course. Um, now the, uh, sorry, not next week. The week after that. The problem with that is that the refereeing course is like right during – of course, the UFC is having a card in the UK that day. So it's like in the middle okay. of the day. So I'm going to have to – I'm gonna have to like catch Watching up you're on, on your card. phone. Uh, I'm gonna have to listen. You do what the kids are doing, Aaron, and kind of look at your phone while the course. I have is my on laptop or... typing, typing notes and be like, yeah, "Oh, <laughs> you what a finish! What an unbelievable armbar!" Yeah, you gotta, you do it. I think you should. Hey, everyone, they're fight fans. Why not? They should have it at least in the background. Yeah, come I'm... on. Someone will, ah, uh, sir. Someone will snitch on me, sir. <laughs> he's watching the fights. Well, just say, hey, I'm Darren studying. Darren comes I'm, and chokes me. I'm practicing what we are learning and judging these fights. Yeah. That's what you guys I'm should do. I'm watching the referee. I'm doing, I'm doing um, the empirical, uh, empir- finding empirical data that matches up with what you're saying. That's it. There you go. We got we got your excuse already. Once yeah. you get to so, the principal's office, I'm going to have to see what to do about that because maybe I just go for the judging course on the Sunday and just like, but I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I want to take Lots the refereeing course. They're like, there's a card every weekend. How many times yeah. am I going to be able to take a refereeing course? 
Yeah. And I want to see you ref some of these uh, local cards now. Yeah, that's what you get your in flyweights. I mean, I'm like, <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm not going to be able to break these people Matt, up. Matt is possibly fighting in the BTC show August 13th to see you oh, as the ref. Oh, how did he do? He fought recently, good. didn't he? Uh, no, unfortunately, he got uh, brew. He got one week before Diego. I'm going to call out Diego. <laughs> need him in the sternum and bad. Ah. Yeah, so we had to pull him. Yeah, but bad. Mike Imperato looked. Like Mike Imperato, yeah. first round guillotine choke. That guy, you leave your neck for one second. I meant to ask you, but I didn't realize Matty Spech got injured. Yeah, unfortunately. So yeah, it was very card? sad. Uh, right now, I think it's planned. I don't even think they announced it. Oops. But I'm sure they'll be happy that I did. Um, <laughs> August 13th, apparently it's in Brampton. In Brampton, eh? Oh. Yeah, very so let close. Let me see. Is that the, that's and the Matt's day of Vera Brampton, versus Cruz. So. I wonder what, uh, maybe I could go to that. But why do they always have their events on Saturdays? Have the events on a Friday. That's what I think, Like, why too. are you going against the UFC? I mean, I know that they're not going against them because it's not, like, equal footing. We're talking regional. But they should do it on the Friday or the Sunday. I agree. Yeah. And, again, like, more people want it. I'm sure they have plans on Saturdays. A nice Sunday card, a nice Friday night would be fun. I agree with you. I think there's too many big events on Saturdays if you're not a huge promotion. Friday and Sundays. Well, Joe, you'll be glad to know that they have announced it. And it is on the Friday, the 12th. It's the 12th. Oh, so my God. I'm going to go. Okay. I'm going to go. It's the 12th, eh? Hampton's like hey, a 40 minute drive. They cut a day off my training camp training for him. Well, so, I mean, maybe August you just 12th. didn't know the date, but yeah. There you go. Brampton. <laughs> right. And they're yeah, doing they a Challenger it. series of some sort, too, it, it appears. That's the 9th of July, I believe. Uh, Sounds like yeah. I work for them. July 9th. Jeez, they don't do nothing for me. July 9th is uh, in Burlington yeah. for the Challenger series. Do you have anybody on that or no? No, no. So that. Maddie might be on the August 12th card. Okay, I think I'm going to go to that. I'm going yeah. to reach out to uh, Rob and get the, yeah. get out there. There you go. Heck yeah. Cool. All right. That's good to know. I haven't been to a regional event since that BTC yeah, card in Niagara. Yeah, be good for you. Be good. Yeah, all right. Cool. Perfect. Well, thank you for letting me know, Joe. I will, I will I be I got there. you. Doesn't, I got your back. I will here. be there to, uh, to cover the event. Not to support Maddie Spesh. Just to cover the event in a, in a uh, very objective fashion. In a fashion. nice, yeah, fun way. Yeah. Even uh, even this last show, like it was the first time. Like uh, even Mike Imperato was asking, like, "Hey, do you want to be in the corner?" I was like, "No, nah, Matt Spech is there. Go. Let me watch as a fan for once. I never get to sit in a chair, enjoy a nice, you know, cider beer, and just kind of sit there and mm-hmm. and just enjoy the fight as a fan. And I enjoyed it. I liked watching. I liked high fiving the fighters as they were going in. I liked cheering from the outside. Uh, I would like to actually do. Know. I'd like to shadow a judge at that event. I'd like to see if Rob can set that up where I could sit with a judge. Um, and just kind of sit where they're sitting. And then after a fight, I could be like, hey, I scored it this way. I'll do, do my own scorecard. And not, you know, obviously yeah, just, just not. kind of see. And That'd just kind cool. of see and then write an article about that. I just think they're very, they got, if, if the UFC's have problem, we probably got some very amateurish judging here, no? I, well, I wouldn't think we'd judging, have great But they've taken courses here. and they hopefully know what they're doing. We barely have any MMA fights here. There's not many combat athletes who got into the coaching. So I can't see it being great here. So I don't know. That's your time to step up, Mr. Bronson. Well, I don't want to actually judge the events. I just want to be I, – I, like as somebody who covers the sport, I can't judge. I don't think I could judge regional events. Why not? I mean I don't have a horse in the race, so maybe. But I mean, yeah, I don't think uh, – I don't know if that would be proper. But just I, I just think it's like it's reps for you. It's reps, 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 reps. Maybe they can make me a guest judge being like, and guest judge Aaron Bronstetter scores it like this. However, his scorecard yeah, is not the official. The unofficial, unofficial scorecard, yeah. 
Yeah, that's even worse. I'd rather not be the I'd rather be the official because no one sees my scorecard than the unofficial, which is all broadcasted all over the, the TV anyway. So No, it would just be to... at the end of the fight I'd give it. Yeah. Like the official scorecards are all shown at the end. Yeah, but they don't say Aaron Bronstetter yeah, so, so, and so and boxing does. At the end though, right? At the end. But who really looks them up? But only if it's like a split. You're the journalist, so you always look them up. You know everything. Oh, yeah, but I, I would up. I've never looked it up once in my life. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, thanks for all this time. I appreciate it. I know you're uh, you're running the gym. I miss it. So I gave you an extra. We we went very long. Yeah, but went a little bit long. It. Yeah, I know you're running the gym right now. Your sister's uh, taking a, a much deserved vacation, and uh, it's the Joe yeah. show over at Bazooka right now. It's the Joe show. She's in Barbados, and I'm here working hard, which is good. So uh, if you'd like, it. you can go to uh, it's bazookafitness.com. Bazooka training. Bazooka training. Dog. I've messed that up so many times. Bazooka yeah, training. Right. Dog. You should just register. Now it's, a, it's almost like become a thing. Yeah. Now. You, mess <laughs> you, it up should, every you should just week. register Bazooka Fitness and have it forward because I yeah, screwed up so go. often. Bazookatraining.com to uh, train with Joe online and uh, Bazooka Kickboxing on Progress Road if you'd like to go and uh, get some hands-on training with Bazooka Joe. That's it. Which I'm get hoping to do starting in September or something. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. i got to get you in in a class soon, right? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'd like to start coming uh, in the fall. I might yeah, start let's coming. try one out. Yeah, even if right now, just come, do a class, and then just feel it out. Yeah, I'll, I'll be feeling hi. it. I'll be feeling it after the class. Believe me. <laughs> That's I, it. Like I'm I told you, I went swimming yesterday and neck. felt like garbage. Yeah, you'll get there. Start. You have any forty-year-olds in your classes? Oh yeah, we got lots. I got lots of all age groups. Okay, so you won't. It, I won't get killed doing this. Then I won't like. No, I won't be in over my head. No. No, it's good. That's why I got levels, progression. I got all levels, all members, all ages, all everything. I got it all. Must, we got it all here. I was thinking of getting that Oculus thing with the thrill of the fight. Apparently, it's good, really good exercise. I want to try that. I've never tried it. Okay, I've well, if I get it, I'll bring it over it. to the gym. Please, because I've always wanted to try it. I see everybody doing it. And I want to see if me being a skilled martial artist actually helps or not, or is it just going as fast as I can? What I want to see is you do it on like hard, and then watch you lose, and just see how angry you get for and losing. How angry? Yeah. I know, I know but then I'm gonna break. Then I'm gonna break your four Oculus. <laughs> then, and then I have to buy you another. It might be one. worth. No, if I film it, maybe I make a viral video, and then I can take them to the funds and to buy all of our, yeah. all the Google Ads money we'll make. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. All right, Joe. Well, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Uh, hopefully, after the next pay per view in Dallas which is at the end of the month, Nunez versus Pena. Until then, everybody, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA Show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.